Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> Thank you, Bath. And I'm a feminist, but tonight, backstage, the tour manager came around and said, could I just grab Grace Petrie? And I had to stop myself from saying, that's what she said. <laughs> and I failed to do that. <laughs> Not a girl. When I saw, like, Will Smith slap Chris Rock, um, like, I'm a feminist, and I know that violence is not the answer, but I just wanted them to just have, like, a bit of a smack-off, and then just kind of, just slowly start, like, spanking each other, and I just really would have liked to see how that would have developed. I think it could have been hot and nice. That's a, that's a hot take, Kima. It's just my belief system. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll say it to these people. Tell the, tell the internet I said it. I wanted it to be more of a spank than a slap. <laughs> oh! Makes me feel better about mine. It's nice. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Woo! <laughs> um, I was very, very anti-Brazilians for a long time, not the people. Um, <laughs> the pubic situation... Hollywoods, Brazilians, whatever you want to call them. Um, I thought they were anti-feminist. I was like, you know, it's the pornification of society. It's the infantilization of female sex parts. And then I got one great pube and it all came off. <laughs> so quickly. Um, and I've now discovered that the greys are like squirrels. They are invasive. Once the greys appear, they knock out the indigenous reds. So I'm sticking with it. feminist but um i i appreciate i'm not saying this is all women i'm saying this is very much just me but when i'm during my period i get worse at parking 
There's, there's no way of getting around that that's the truth. And last week I had to get out of the car so that my wife could park my car. Oh my God. But at least a man didn't do it, so I figure it's cool. It's double feminism in both women park it. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Um, on my way to the venue from the train station, I saw um, two teenage girls getting off. Uh, I know, right reaction, right? I should have been like, you're empowered, you know, but the problem is they were about like 13, 14, and they were just fucking shit at it, right? It was, it was so, and it was so gross that I actually physically recoiled as I walked by, and then I was like, God, I need to go back and be like, I'm not homophobic, you just suck at kissing, honestly. I want t-shirts at your next gig that say, I'm not homophobic, you just suck at kissing. Grace Petrie Tour 2022. I don't know if I want my name attached to that. It's too late, Grace Petrie. I've, I'm having the t-shirts made up myself. Are we ready to start the show? Then a big, give a big round of applause for Kima Bob, Susie Ruffle, Tiff Stevenson, and Grace Petrie. Four fabulous women you're going to be seeing a lot more of tonight. Hello, 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 Bath. Are you ready for the Guilty Feminist? Give us a cheer if you listen to the podcast at home. Then you'll know that theme tune. Uh, Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Now, notice how that cheer is less empowered. Less feminist, if you will. But don't worry, you're here now. Any lads in? Yeah, you're a lad? You're a lad? Do you listen to the show, sir? Yeah. Do you? You say, yeah. But your girlfriend is shaking her head, like, no. Why do you think she's brought you here and put you in the front row? Is it because she, she thinks you could learn something? She did it by accident. There's no accidents in feminism, my friend. That's not, that's not how it works. What's your name? Saul. Saul. Excellent. And what's your name? Annika. Annika. And, and you listen to the show, but Saul doesn't. Do you know what a good thing to do is just like play it really loudly in the in the house? I do. Oh, do you? No, second hand listening. listening. <laughs> what like second hand smoke? <laughs> Feminism is a cancer, sir. It's very much what you've implied, and this room will turn very quickly. I've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen before for less soul. Um, you, what you have forgotten to do is lock the door. Um, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Uh, Tom, cut that out. Because it was a little too late to be a joke and then it just sounded like coercive control and I don't want that here. Cut this out. Cut all of this out. Cut the rest of the show out, Tom. Cut the rest of the show out. We're recording. What's great about that is you will hear your own laugh should you do one. But also, Bath, I want to ask you something. I want to ask you uh, for any acts of feminism, local acts of feminism, uh, just, just first of all, just care if you're from Bath... Give us a cheer if you're from further afield. Wow, Bath did not come out for this. Bath, where's your feminist friends? Where did you come from? Bristol. I know, we never come to Bristol, and it's not my fault. I have begged to come to Bristol. I have begged. They always say there's no venues. I'm like, yes, there are. That's what they say. Apparently, there are no venues who want feminism. Okay, le- okay, let's have an auction for venues. Where would you like me to come? The O2. 
It's the O2 is like a stadium. Oh, the old Vic. Oh yeah, I could fill the old Vic, not the O2, just to be very clear. We're working on it, gang, we're working on it, but post-COVID, we've got to work our way back up to convince people to come out. Would be fun, though, to have a stadium full of feminists. Think what we could do. We could have it for the whole day, and then we could do a series of outrages. Do you know, like, the suffragettes used to do outrages. They used to do things. Not the bombing part. We won't do that. We won't do that. But, like, this necklace, some people know I've got this necklace, and they, they damaged it, and they wrote votes for women on it, and then they put that back into circulation. It's a coin, just to be clear, if you can't see. Some people at the back. <laughs> uh, it's a coin. The suffragettes used to damage coins and put them back into circulation, and they used to write this message, votes for women, on making the coins worthless. Ironically, they're now rather valuable, <laughs> proving women can't do maths. Um, but we could do some outrages together. I'd love that. So just give us a cheer if you are from not Bath and not Bristol. Oh, shout out where you're from. Did anyone hear any of those words? Scarlet. New Zealand. I don't feel you've come especially for this gig. I think it was who's come from out of town for this gig because it's the closest gig to them. New Zealand is a big old sheet. Wales? But we're doing Cardiff. What? Yes, you don't... Not a fan of Cardiff or not free on the night? What was that? Oh! Are you coming more than once? I'm glad the shows are different. No, I'm thrilled. What's your name? Rebecca, Rebecca. Why are you saying it like that? I'm like, is that Welsh accent and I'm saying it wrongly? I'm saying Rebecca. Do, how do I say it? Do I just say Rebecca or am I to say Rebecca? Or you were just explaining to me? Yeah. No, it's, we'll meet up afterwards, Rebecca. We clearly need to be friends. I, I, you should be the tour van. You're, you're coming on more gigs than I am. Um, I'm thrilled. No, I'm thrilled. The, the joy is, as Rebecca knows, or Rebecca knows, which way? How do you say it? <laughs> they've laughed over it now. We'll never know. Um, as Rebecca knows, um, uh, every show is different. We have different comedians in different places, and uh, this part is obviously different because I won't say who lives in Bath when I'm in Cardiff. Um, it would be a waste. <laughs> um, uh, but what I'm looking for here, Bath and surrounding areas, including and up to New Zealand and Wales, not what I was expecting, but I'm delighted to hear, I'm looking for an act of feminism that you've done in the last two years because we haven't been able to tour for two years. I don't know if you heard, but in London we had a global pandemic. <laughs> Kills all touring. So, um, I'm looking for acts of feminism that happened. Now, before I take any hands, I'm going to caveat it because I asked this in London recently and someone put their hand up and said, we took the Met Police to court over a feminist case and we won. Wonderful news we will be hearing more about later in the show. However, do you know what it made everyone else do? Go, oh, I'm not saying mine now. <laughs> I'm saying mine now. Oh, no, that bar was way too high. People were like, oh, I was going to say I started a feminist book club. No, no, I won't bother now. No, 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 it's good. It's good. So we're going to start with a small act of feminism. Has anyone got an act of feminism that will intimidate nobody? <laughs> like a really low bar act of feminism. An, act, an unintimidating act of feminism. One where you think it's barely an act of feminism. Well, could we call it an act? Yes? Somebody's got one here? Okay, so I'm going to have to recap that because you're not mic'd. Okay. Um, so what's your name? Kelly. Kelly said, 
uh, that she's saying this for some people at home who've got COVID, who are listening at home. They're not listening yet, to be clear. Oh, they're supposed to be coming. Hello, Nadia and Katie, who are in those empty chairs. Um, they're not listening now because it's not live streamed, but they will be listening later. But this could go out in weeks' time. Nadia and Kelly, I hope you're better by now. You're living in the future. <laughs> Tell us what happens. I'm excited to know. Um, has anything good and feminist happened? Probably not. Um, uh, so Kelly's saying that uh, local feminists here, you were working on allowing women to run the same distance as men in the cross country. Can I ask, why can't they? If they want to keep running, who's going to stop them? <laughs> a uterus is a fallout. Yes, I've heard that before about running. <laughs> so how far are you on the... Look, actually, to be honest, this is so interesting. Do you mind coming forward and I can give you the mic so you can explain? Great. Come out, Kelly. Hi. Hello. So, yeah, basically, um, there's a campaign called Run Equal, and there are um, lots of events up and down the country where people run cross-country, and women are only allowed to run about four miles, and men can run six miles, and women are not allowed to run further. It's a separate race, um, and we're trying to campaign for this to change. I've turned this into Graham Norton now. Um, <laughs> pretend they're on a sofa. Um, what could be their possible fucking justification? It makes no fucking sense. Women can run as far as they can run. Yeah. Why are they being stopped to run? Why? It's like, no, there's your finish line. There is no justification for that. It's mad. And it's the people on the committee are basically all old white men. And that's how it's always been. It's always been like this. And okay, the- let's not boo old white men as a concept. <laughs> you may boo these old men. But there, listen, s- some of my best husbands are white men. Um, go the, on. The annoying thing is that we do the same distance in every other race. You sign up for a 10K, both men and women compete in the 10K. You compete in a marathon, you do the half marathon. Cross country is the only one that you're just not allowed yeah. to do something equal. Because a marathon is, by its nature, is it 26 miles as a sp- yeah, specific... which is, is more than the cross-country would be. Right, and, and a half marathon is, is the half marathon. You can't say you've run it if you've... There's not a lady marathon. There's not a manathon and a womanathon. It's just a marathon. But for some reason with cross-country, they're like, your dainty lady legs will fall off if you keep going. So we've got... Listen, this is an easy win, gang. In feminism, often these things are hard to change, but I feel we can win this one, and it's just going to give us a real great feeling. What do we need to do to these old white men? Not to them, (laughs) near them, with them. But how do we need to get their attention? What can we do to help? I mean, one of the challenges we've had, we've gone and spoken to women um, at the races, and often the women aren't that keen on doing it. Okay, that's awkward. Okay. Listen, honestly, I'll be honest, I'm with them. (laughs) I don't want to do cross country at all, but if I have to do it, if it's government mandated, I will be picking the shorter option. Have I let feminists down everywhere? Possibly. Do I give a fuck? On this occasion, I cannot. But I want women who want to run the long one. So can we have an optional... I've got a great idea. More men would run it if there was an optional short one. So what we say is optional short, optional long. And it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, non-binary person. You can run short or long. So let's get short and long going. How about we have three categories. Short, long, stay home. (laughs) And I am going to be part of the cross-country stay home team. 
but I'll wear a T-shirt. Short, long, stay home. Can, okay, who do we write to? So um, we're campaigning for the Gwent League, which is, covers the Southwest and Wales as well. Gwent, the, um, Gwent the Gwent League, League. Southwest and Wales. Yeah. And then you represent. could write to England Athletics, yes. and you could hashtag Run Equal in all your posts for tonight. That's okay. our hashtag. All right. So when I come back out again, everyone's meant to have their phones off, but for one little segment, we'll all get our phones out. You in the interim, while concentrating on the comedy, will also be secretly coming up with exactly the tweet you want us okay. to say, and at Guilty Feminist and da 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 da, right? Yep. On Twitter, we're at Guilty Pod, just so you know, but you could hashtag Guilty Feminist, and we could then get it going and get other Guilty Feminists to retweet it. How about that? Fantastic. Okay, so you figure it out, we'll come back to you. Thank you so much. Well done. I'm being given the wrap it up hands. Uh, because we've dwelt too long in feminism land and we need to get to comedy. But fortunately, this comedian is an incredible feminist. You have seen her on all sorts of amazing television shows. She is a Guilty Feminist regular. She's one of my favourite people in the whole world. Please put your hands together, stamp your feet and make general Guilty Feminist woo-hooing noises, smashing the patriarchy as you go for the incredible Kima Bob! Guys, I'm so glad to be here in Bath Spa, which sounds kind of redundant. Um, what a fun town. Oh, it is. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be here with you tonight. Um, I'm going to tell you guys some stuff that I've never told an audience before, so please don't judge me. Um, <laughs> I have recently been trying to raw dog life. Uh, some people who know what raw dogging means. Um, give me a woo if you know what raw dogging means. Great. So, for those of you who are fortunate or unfortunate enough to not know what that means, uh, essentially, raw dogging is boning without a condom. It is going at it without protection. And recently, I've been trying to raw dog life. Um, yeah, by which I mean I stopped smoking weed, uh, which is its own challenge. And there will be people in here tonight who are like, Wait, what? Mera what now? Never heard of it or touched it. Um, <laughs> of course you haven't, Cheryl. Um... But I've stopped smoking weed, which, let me tell you, it makes movies so boring. <laughs> movies are bad, y'all. There's some low-quality shit out there. And now, unlike before, I remember them. It's horrible. Before, I could watch the same thing like three times in a week. I wouldn't know. Now it gets to that scene that's in like every rom-com where they're standing by the, you know, body of water and the guy's like, oh, secretly I love you. And I'm like, oh, damn, I have seen Bridgerton. Um, such a fun show. <sighs> it's absolute madness. Um, and also with the permission of a trained medical professional, I've come off my mental health meds, raw dogging. 
Um, uh, raw dogging. Oh my god. Just raw dogging anxiety and depression. <laughs> Mad. Uh, but I've been working on my mental health, you know? I've been trying to like fucking meditate and stuff, and I love it. I think it's swell, so good. Um, I went to a, a silent meditation. I'm going to say retreat, because that's what I thought it was. Uh, turns out it was a meditation boot camp um, where they want you to meditate for 12 hours a day, and they wake you up with a gong at 4 a.m. And I was like, is this appropriative? The gong, you could just use bird sounds like other alarms, because um, this feels racist. Um, but they did wake us up with the gongs and uh, part of what they were teaching us were like this body scan they were like feel every part of your body and they were like don't miss any part and I was doing my mindfulness thing and stuff but I kept getting distracted right here Um, they said don't miss any part and I was like well the clit is a part of me Um, you're welcome Beth I'm that kind of girl it's a good time. But yeah, I've been working on my like spiritual health and my mental health. I even was dealing with like family stuff. And I realized that I, if I'm going to get real with myself, because like in order to do what's best for ourselves, like we can't just like lie to ourselves about what we're doing. And I was like, girl, you need to take a look at your love life. And so by take a look at my love life, I ended up in the YouTube hole. <laughs> I ended up watching a lot of videos on YouTube. And I came across this lady called the Crappy Childhood Fairy. <laughs> she did not name herself nicely. Every single video of hers is like, oh, did your parents neglect you? That's why you date assholes. Um, and I was like, Click. <laughs> Some madness. And she taught me a word called limerence. Um, and let me read you the definition of limerence because, I mean, the girls might be guilty of it and not even know. And not even know. So, <laughs> limerence is not like a limerick, right? A limerick is like a fun, cute poem. That's not what this is. A limerence is a mental state of profound romantic infatuation, deep obsession, and fantastical longing. And I was like, oh, you mean when you're really into someone? <laughs> oh. um, and I was in that definition, and I was like, I don't like it. For me, it's the fantastical longing. Oh, I love longing. It's so good. Oh, I love telling myself a love story. And I don't need any input from the other person. <laughs> I don't. It's so good. Because limerence is kind of like a love at first sight, which itself is a psychotic concept. <laughs> Do you mean you saw someone and you were like, there's something about the way that he walks and wears hats that I think we're going to be together forever. <laughs> That's insanity. It's mad. Oh, and I love a story. Oh, one of my favorite things is to imagine my crush old. Do you ever imagine what someone's going to look like when they're 70? That shit is so fun. Why would I do that? Because we're going to be together forever. 
That's why I would do it. What do you mean? I need to see what I'm getting myself in for, baby. Oh, it's, it's absolute madness. Oh, and once I start telling myself the story, nobody's getting in the way. Oh, no, not even the other person. Oh, you try to tell me something different. Don't do it. Oh, and it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. Mm-mm. Oh, you're a painter? That's great. We can open up an art center for the community. I'll teach them talky stuff and you can do the visual ones. Oh, you work in construction? That's great. You can build our dream home and also the art center for the community. I really want an art center for the community. Oh, what? You don't got a job? That's fine. I'll make more money in life. You could be a stay at home and pick lavender with our child in the fields. What? You don't got a job because you're rich? Oh my God. Am I a stay at home philanthropist? Do I get to pick the lavender now? It's going to be so much easier to fund the art center for the community. I care about the community. It's so silly. And I think, like, once I convince myself, ooh, oh, baby, there's no stopping me, really. Like, you have a girlfriend? Well, I bet she's a bitch. <laughs> you seem so unhappy. <laughs> You're a gay man who's only attracted to men? Probably because you haven't met a woman like me. <laughs> Oh, I got myself in trouble with that before. Mm-hmm, it's nonsense. Oh, you have a wife? Well, I have a knife. And I won't commit homicide, but I will scare her real nice. And if I avoid jail time, then we can have a life. Um, <laughs> she's crazy. Oh, it's mad. And I'm trying to get real about it because I'm like, you can't be doing this. Because it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know when they say, like, you can't see the forest for the trees? Well, like, my tree is made out of, like, cardboard and cling film. And, like, I made the tree myself. And I'm just like, yeah, this is obviously a thing. Um, I would say it's, like, rose-colored glasses, except they're, like, 3D glasses. <laughs> It's worse, or more like VR glasses. The reality is very virtual. Um, and I think like, I don't know, I just, I can't do that. Cause you, you date, uh, the, the, the trouble really comes uh, when you convince yourself that someone is like a good person, a good like partner and they're not. <laughs> Because, like, what's an asshole to a person in love? A challenge. Uh, <laughs> it's absolute madness. You can't, you can't do that. And, like, sometimes, like, if, like I, I love making excuses for people that nobody fucking asked me to make. Oh, my favorite thing is when I don't get a text back in a responsible time frame, just assuming that someone has died. Like, obviously, he would text me back if he wasn't dead. <laughs> He's obviously, and why would I waste time, like, being upset with this man when I should be mourning? I obviously need to pick out a funeral outfit because he is sad about the death of a loved one. Someone has died. 
And I need to have the right outfit when he gets in touch so he knows that there is still a caring woman in his life now that he has lost his mother. I've been Kima Bob. You guys have been great. Kima Bob, everybody! Hello, Guilty Feminists. I am doing my stand-up show at the Soho Theatre about coming out as bisexual and my experiences therein and going in on psychedelics. I am there from April 26th to the 7th of May, Tuesday to Saturday. Get your tickets now. I really want you to see this show. That's not that many shows and not that many tickets, so please buy them now. It's in London. We are doing an incredible screening of a new film that actually did blow my mind. There's no paid partnership here. I just felt this film was absolutely incredible. I've seen a preview of it. It's called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. And it's about a woman in her 60s who's never had a satisfying sex life. Her husband's died and she hires a young male sex worker. It's genuinely mind-blowing. I've never seen representation like it. I absolutely fucking loved it. It's a two-hander, basically, with Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack. Um, It was written actually by a friend of mine I went to uni with called Katie Brand, who's a brilliant comedian you may know. And we're screening it on the 13th of May at the Hamyard Hotel. And afterwards, Emma and I are having a deep dive conversation about the film uh, with possibly some other people there as well. Don't miss it. It is going to be incredible. I I really, I cried. I cried more after the film than when I was watching it. I cried for like five minutes afterwards. And it's so funny. I laughed so much. Tickets are only a fiver. So get them now. The tour show is coming. We've been having such an incredible time on the live tour. Liverpool, Sheffield and Stratford upon Avon. Fuck me, we had a fantastic weekend. We took the roof off those places. Everyone has come out so far to a tour show. Wherever we have been in the country, you've just blown us away. This tour, The tour show next, the live tour, which is a combination of stand-up comedy, live music, deep dive chat with feminists in your area. We are coming to Reading on the 8th of May with Susan McComa, Susie Ruffle, Celia AB with music from Grace Petrie. On the 15th of May, we'll be in Canterbury with Felicity Ward, Catherine Bohard, Celia AB and Jess Robinson. We'll also be with local feminists from those places on the sofa. Um, Do not miss it. And we're coming near you. Go to guiltyfeminist.com to find out how close we come to you and then come to us. Meet us halfway if you're not in, in any of these cities. So we are around the UK for the next couple of months. And then we are going to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, Canberra, uh, Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington. If I've missed anyone out, I'm sorry. But check out our website, guiltyfeminist.com, and you will see exactly where we're coming. On the 1st of October, we will be at the Hammersmith Apollo for a big birthday show. We're going to have some incredible guests. Just get your tickets now. Come out, be live with us again. It's, it's, we need it. It's, we're thirsty. If you possibly can, come and be live in the room with us again. We're having such an incredible time. It, people are leaving really elated and nourished and full. And we're leaving, but our faces hurt from smiling. Uh, for any of these things, please go to guiltyfeminist.com. And I really do hope to see you there. And make incredible woohoo noises for the wonderful Tiff Stevenson! This is amazing. It's just nice to see faces of people I'm not having sex with. <laughs> Obviously, I'm trying to be a good person. I am, right? Uh, because actually, I'm a stepmom. Are there any stepmoms? Cool. 
probably all in their castles talking to their enchanted mirrors. That's what we do, the old stepmums. <laughs> I think historically we've been viewed quite kindly. Let me think. Um, there's the evil queen in Snow White. Janine Butcher in EastEnders. And my personal favourite, Lady Tremaine from Cinderella. I don't know if you know Lady Tremaine. Do you know her? She has a cat. I have a cat. It's a little bit on the nose. She's a Disney villain. She's very camp. Um, her cat's called Lucifer. Because Disney were like, this bitch doesn't seem evil enough. My cat's called Bumble. I know, you're like, what a cute little bundle of fluff. <laughs> Genuinely believe he is a red-pilled men's rights activist. He attacks me every day. Not online, like the reply guys. But in real life. Like, if I'm lucky, I wake up with him hitting me around the face, claws in. If I'm unlucky, I wake up to the worst sound known to humankind. And I think JML should market this as an alarm clock, right? And that is the sound of a cat retching in another room of the house. <laughs> Nothing will get you out of bed faster than... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get a couple in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I know my naked foot is going in hot sick. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> I like Lady Tremaine because she barks instructions at Cinderella in a sassy fashion, you know, like, Cinderella, silence, you have chores to do. The windows, wash them, the tapestries and the drips, clean them. Oh, and make sure that Lucifer gets his bath. Cinderella respects her, calls her stepmom. My stepson doesn't call me that. Been his stepmom for 14 years. He calls me Tiff, right? That's our deal. I didn't want to take that term on. Too many negative connotations. First time I ever said it was actually out loud. Last summer again, blazing hot day in the garden. Was probably wearing the shorts. <laughs> and I just went, stepmummy needs a margarita. <laughs> and he went, oh my God, that's going to be a catchphrase, isn't it? I said, well, only if I say it like this. <laughs> Come on, snap, snap, get stepmommy at Tom Collins. That, by the way, is a bit of child labour we should bring back from the 50s and 60s. Do you not agree? Kids making cocktails. Come on! Every nine-year-old should have a signature drink in their repertoire. <laughs> Hurry up, stepmommy's thirsty. Make me a dirty martini. Put some of your tears in it, you little bitch. You got chores to do, the windows, wash them, the tapestries and the drapes. Okay, we don't have tapestries and drapes. <laughs> Clean that picture of some workmen on a construction beam eating sandwiches in the 1920s. <laughs> Make sure that Bumble gets his bath. <laughs> Watch out for the cat sick on the way there. It's a hard line sometimes, right, being a parental figure, right? Because, um, like, you know, I'm a stepmom, that carries responsibility, but I'm also a stand up comedian, and of course, I desperately want a 15 year old boy to find me funny. Of course, I do. Sometimes I don't know where that line is, that's all I'm saying. Like, recently, we went out shopping, and uh, as we were leaving the car park, the other half managed to negotiate his way out quite a tight parking space. So I turned to him and said, Pull out game strong, son. And my stepson, who was sat in the back, went, <laughs> And I watched a 15-year-old melt into a puddle of links. 
students. So it's an interesting time, I think, having a teenage boy and, you know, trying to teach him the right way to go about things, you know. Like, I want to teach him about equality and I want to teach him about feminism. The other day I said to him, do you want to have a conversation about consent? And he said, no. <laughs> and I had to respect that. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? And he was like, no means no, Tiff. And I was like, you get it, you get it. <laughs> he said to me, what about compliments? Because he keeps hearing this thing. And sometimes I will get this, right, uh, when I'm on TV. By the way, I'm not showing off going, oh, I'm on television. But I want you all to know that I am. Um, <laughs> Every now and then I'll get a little DM from a guy going, saw you on Mock the Week, thought you were funny. And am I allowed to say attractive? Probably not. Can't even compliment a woman anymore. I'm sure you've heard this. Can't even compliment a woman anymore. Men, those of you that are in tonight, I want you to know that's not true. Of course you can. You could say to any of the women in here tonight, you look beautiful and, and we might say thank you, but we owe you nothing. That's all it is, right? We owe you nothing. If your ego can take the no, go ahead, pay that compliment. There is a caveat to this, though, of course, right? If your compliment is shouted from the top of a building <laughs> or out of a moving car, if the Doppler effect applies to your compliment... <laughs> street harassment. Uh, I've been Tiff Stevenson. Thank you so much. Smashing it at the Guilty Feminist. Um, before I bring on our next act, I promised that we would fix the crisis in cross-country running. The feminist crisis. Uh, so can we have our activists come down to the front? Are you ready? Have you got your stuff ready? Okay. If you go England Athletics. Okay, so first of all, we've got to get our phones out. Yeah. Okay. So what are we tweeting? So um, England Athletics and all cross-country leagues. Eng England Athletics. England Athletics, or you could do EA for short. We could tag the hashtag. E you can do... EA. England, England Athletics. Athletics. Oh, is that tagging them? Yeah. I think we should say England Athletics, only because I would yeah. not know who that was. That's fine. <laughs> not to be rude to England Athletics. I've never heard of them. Okay. <laughs> Athletics... Cross-country should be equal for all. Cross-country cross distances. Distances. Is everyone doing this? I don't, some people aren't writing it down. Cross-country distances should be equal should for... Be equal, should be equal for, for all. all. Yes. And then... And hashtag, then hashtag run equal. Run equal. And yeah, hashtag England Athletics. Hashtag England Athletics. And the guilty feminist, of course. And the guilty feminist. <laughs> and if you could copy us in at Guilt Femme Pod, we will be able to retweet them. England Athletics and hashtag guilty feminist, yes. And then uh, anything you want us to do, what's your action? Uh, spread the word. So we're, there's a Facebook group. Is there someone group? we can write to? Because I we, feel yeah. people will agree, but the, the four old white men whose job it is to change it won't read my Twitter. That they is don't true. follow the guilty feminist. They don't know what feminism is. They hate me. How do I get in contact with them? Do I need to go and knock on their door? Who are they? Where do they live? Like, what's the... Don't give their actual address out, to be honest, but just what's the... Who are we asking? So we can email We can email the Gwent League, which is our league for our area. Okay. But really, what we want to do is we want England Athletics, the governing body, to take charge okay. so and what's say... Their at, because what, what's their at? What's their... 
This is what you were planning. This is why feminism doesn't work. The admin. We fall down on the admin. Yeah. What is it? We we were too busy listening and laughing to the show. You were given a job. (laughs) England Athletics. England Athletics. It's at England England Athletics. Athletics. Okay, so has everyone got that? What you're doing is you're atting English Athletics. And could you please give these people, they can put it in their notes, their email. Who is it? Gwent. The Gwent League. The Gwent League. What's the email? We don't know. Okay. We can they will get back to us later with more information. But for now, if we could all tweet at the same time. Has everyone kind of got it ready? And can you add a retweet, please? And, and maybe hashtag feminism and retweet, please. Is everyone ready to go? Everyone ready? Okay. We're all going to tweet at the same time and get everyone retweeting. Three, two, one. Feminism! Woo! Thank you. That's awesome. Great. Okay. We'll see what that does. But and also, you can add all the people that tweeted and retweeted, and you can say, email here or do this here. Um, because I am sort of bored of awareness. I, I'm bored of awareness. I want action, guys. I say, I'm saying this, I'm on my knees saying this to you. Now, the reason is I'm getting up, but it's still, it looks like I've taken a knee for cross country sport, and I really haven't. I've got two microphones. Thank you so much. Big round of applause. I'm bored of awareness. I think awareness without action causes depression. If something bad's happening, please don't tell me unless I can help. It just makes me sad. And nobody wants to watch a sad woman in a gold sparkly cape. Because this says happy, joyful. So I'm only interested in hearing if I can do something. I don't just want people to know, I want people to act. So we've got to find out who we need to write to at England Athletics. And we need to, if we all wrote to them, they'd be like, all right, then fine. I mean that if everyone tonight, if, if they woke up to this many emails of how many people are in this theatre, I'm not sure exactly how many there are, in the morning they'd be like, oh, just give it to them. So what, we, what we're going to ask for, I'll draft an email, okay, I'll get it to you somehow. Um, I'll put it online, and then if everyone can send that email in tonight or tomorrow morning, I reckon that'll work. I reckon that'll work. We're going for short, short and long options for all. Any gender can run short or run long, and we reckon more men will do it, because men fundamentally are lazy. They're going to want the short one. Loads of them. Loads of them. Like, what, what, what was your name? Saul, that's right. I'm so sorry, Saul, but you should have been more memorable. (laughs) That's not on me. Um, Saul, if you had to run a long or a short, which would you run? Uh, Short. Short, that's right. Saul for the short. Thank you, Saul. You are a sibling of ours. Thank you, Saul. All right, so I'm going to work on the email. We're all going to send it. I reckon if they wake up to this many emails, it's actually going to, we're going to do something overnight. And if they don't, we'll just go around there. Hello, Bath. Are you ready for the second half of The Guilty Feminist? Then please welcome to the stage Deborah Francis-White, Kima Bob, and Susie Ruffo. Hello, 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 hello. And welcome. Where are we You take a seat wherever you like. This is more the Graham Norton part of the show. 
I feel like we had a really amazing rapport in the first half, and now we're too far away from you. Is it? Do we need to move yeah, it forward? Are, they, are we allowed to? Would they I'm let us? Do it. Don't ask them then. Deborah, come on! <laughs> Fucking hell! No, 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 no. No, 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 here we go. Here we we go. need to ask the men. No, we don't. Don't. Yeah. Don't, we don't let them know that you yeah. rely on a man. Yeah. Let, let the men do the shifting of the furniture. But. Okay, how's that? Is that better? Yeah. That feels better, doesn't it? That does actually feel better. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. feels better to me. Yeah. Are you enjoying that? It makes sense, actually. That chair, I wasn't sure if I like that or like that. Okay. Stuart, was this okay? Are you happy with this? Is there a reason we shouldn't have done this? Too late. Okay, thank you. Stuart has given us the official formal thumbs up. The man said it's fine. Okay. So we will continue. Now, can I just say, our campaign for cross-countrying... Yes. I am, as we speak, sending an email to Tom Selinsky to put on guiltyfeminist.com, and you can just copy and paste it. And then what you want to do is you want to go to englandathletics.org, and then there's the little lines at the top where you pull it down, and you're going to go to contact because they don't have an email they don't want you emailing them clearly it's just one of those awful forms you have to fill out we're not going to let that stop us you go to the website you go on contact and you scroll down to when it says which reason are you emailing us you say other now you scroll there's no section for we want to complain bitterly about gender inequality and i think that's wrong it's all things like oh do you want to join a club no i want to but complain bitterly. You know, I just want to say that I'm against this whole thing. Because I don't think anyone should be running anywhere ever. <laughs> so what are you running from? <laughs> the <Okay>. truth? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to catch up with you. You, you can email that. I will. You, are you running? DearEnglandAthletics.org, are you running from the truth? Yeah. I think it makes Sit sense. Down. For all others, uh, just scroll down to the bottom, actually. They've hidden it very carefully. It says contact, you put on that. Then you have to put your name and email in, because apparently you have to give your email, although they're not giving theirs. Doesn't seem fair. Complain about that as well. And then go on. <laughs> Click on contact us. And the email, if you just want to copy and paste, I mean, you know what to say, but the email, if you want to go and copy and paste, will be up on Guilty Feminist, because Tom's going to do that for us. Another man. Um, Yes, that's right. A man is going to do it for us. I think men should do more admin. Sure. Do you, do you know what else I think men should do more of? Uh, Cleaning? Sure. Okay, let's get some I won't have one in the house. That is the sound of someone who has had enough. <laughs> Cleaning? Anything else men should do more of? I didn't, what did you say? It was funny. Did someone say pussy licking? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, yes, they should, but it, it feels very out there. Um, I like it. It's strong, it's pointed, it makes sense, it's true. <laughs> what was the other one? <laughs> Childcare. Do you know what? I agree. And that leads us to our guests. <laughs> I've done this very well here. Very well. I've Good done work. that so well. That's what a great segue. Um, our first guest today is a writer, activist, keynote speaker, and the co-founder of Reclaim These Streets, a campaign group for women's safety. Our second guest is a barrister, 
who works in the areas of criminal justice, immigration, and human rights. She has particular expertise in defending and upholding the rights of vulnerable or marginalized individuals. She also gave birth during the Reclaim These Streets campaign, because when I saw her, she was pregnant, and then I saw her, and she was like, yeah, we won, and she'd also apparently won a baby. Um, so uh, that baby is called Rory, but Rory's father is backstage, should Rory's father be needed for what? Child care. And Rory's father, I'm sure he has a name. But because of the history of the world, tonight we're calling him Rory's father. We're also calling him Pippa's husband. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Jamie Klingler, the wonderful Pippa Woodrow, and Rory! like a Lion King moment. You do. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Excellent Lion king <laughs> <laughs> I thought it wasn't bad. <laughs> it was actually the right tune. I don't know the words. And that is clear to everyone. Else. It was good that you didn't pretend to. Yeah, it was good that you didn't try and like have a crack at it. <laughs> I feel undermined by my sisters. <laughs> Sisterhood. We're meant to celebrate all of our efforts. I was, I'm celebrating it in a joyful, amused way. I feel Susie Ruffle is uh, teaming up with me with Kima Bob, <laughs> teaming up against me. But listen, listen, Kima Bob and Susie Ruffle. Hey, yes. It's just banter. <laughs> but what's, what's not banter is the work that these guys do. Nice segue. That's a great segue. That's a great segue. Well done, Kima. What you guys did is not just banter. Um, <laughs> you could put that on your, on your website. Not just banter, Deborah Francis White. Yeah. Um, so, Jamie Klingler, could you just introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Jamie, and I was one of the four claimants that took the Metropolitan Police to court and won. Yes. <laughs> the reclaim claimants, the reclaim claimants, the reclaim, the reclaimants, if you like. Pippa. Could you just introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, I am Rory's mum. Uh, but um, I am a human rights barrister, and I am one of, although not the only, uh, barrister for Reclaim These Streets, um, of which Jamie is a co-founder. I do lots of women's rights work, uh, lots of work in the criminal justice system, and also actions against the police. And I'm also a massive guilty feminist fan, and I'm Yay! super psyched to be here. Um, Jamie, could you tell us the elevator nutshell for, for, for everything? What, what happened? Just a starter for 10. Some so, people may not have been following the story, and we have global listeners as well who may not know the story at all. Tragically, in March of 2020, when Sarah Everard's remains were found, I tweeted that I was going to do a vigil, and I was put in touch with some local women that were also going to do a vigil. We joined forces, and on the Wednesday, uh, March 10th, Reclaim These Streets was born. On 11th of March, um, and a serving police officer, Wayne Cousins, had been arrested. On the 11th, Scotland Yard got involved and said that because of COVID restrictions, it would be illegal for us to have a moment of silence for a woman that was raped, murdered, and abducted by a serving police officer, that we were not allowed to stand separately, equally distant, socially distanced, and have a moment of silence for a woman and grieve together. 
So we met our, um, our barristers on Twitter. Amazing place to get barristers. Human rights barristers. <laughs> um, and on that Thursday, we ended up becoming claimants, raising 37,000 pounds from Crowdfunder for Justice, and taking the Met to court on the following Friday. When... The judge, during that court period, the judge said that the police had to give us the parameters within which we could go ahead, and we had to follow them. We left court, we tried to negotiate, we came up with like a moving memorial line or two different time periods. While we were at the negotiating table, physically on Microsoft Teams with Scotland Yard, they sent out a press release that it was illegal. Respect. Um, Illegal to what? To, to go ahead. To do anything, wow. even though the court had said they could. They said it would be unlawful for us to go ahead. And they threatened us as the organizers with £10,000 in fines and prosecution under the Serious Crimes Act. This was while the Metropolitan Police was holding the door open for number 10 in their wine. So the hypocrisy knows no bounds. But then we decided to pivot. We knew that there would be a vigil anyway. Um, we raised 550,000 pounds for the Stand With Us Fund for Rosa for violence against women and girls and grassroots organizations. And then we, along with the rest of the world, watched in absolute horror as police manhandled women at the vigil against violence against women. Um, so it was, it was a devastating night, but then with Pippa and the, our amazing legal team, we decided to keep the fight going, and we fought them in court for a full year. We crowdfunded that, and we took them to court for our human right to protest, and that they didn't do a proportionate review of our legal right to come together to mourn uh, Sarah Everard and all women that were affected by violence at the hands of men. So, Pippa, I think maybe this is where you come in. What, what, how do you approach a case like this? Like, you, you look at this case, do you think you can win at first? Um, at, at first, I mean, absolutely. We, we, it was pretty clear from the outset, and in fact had been clear for many, many months by this point, that the police just didn't understand the law during COVID. Um, wow. You know, I, I mean, that won't come as a surprise to anyone. That seems to be their job, yeah. though, doesn't it? To know oh, you, you'd think so, but, um, but well, no, they, they just, just didn't get it. Like a manhandling. When done properly, not COVID compliant. Well, <laughs> would, you, uh, would you like to come and join the team? Because that was, that was uh, Thank an you, argument. Your Honor. I rest my case. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, for the whole, for the whole pandemic, um, the, the police effectively were instituting a complete ban on protest in reality, which was, uh, and always was, completely unlawful. Uh, and that applied not just to Reclaim These Streets, it applied to the Black Lives Matter protests, it applied to many, many groups. Um, NHS at, doctors. At, at, NHS doctors, in, the nurses. Uh, and, um, you know, in, in some ways, this case as a lawyer, was finally an opportunity to get the courts to properly look at this. Um, and it's just such a shame that it's taken this long for the courts to finally have an opportunity and to be able to say, you got this wrong. Um, but hopefully the police will, well, I say hopefully, you'd like to think the police would learn something, but they've just told us they'd like to appeal. <laughs> so uh, They're appealing. Yeah. They're, they're, instead of um, putting their resources into violence against women, they are going to spend taxpayer funds uh, appealing the judgment on grounds that we consider are 
pretty spurious and weak. So, what, are, what are those what grounds? Are those you allowed to say? Um, effectively, I, I mean, oh, I won't bore you with all the legal technicalities. I won't that's understand not why a lot of it. Not why you paid for money. But um, it, it's essentially they, they, they just want another go at arguing the points that have been completely rejected by two very senior high court Can judges. you do that, though? Can you just have another go? Uh, well, they, they've asked permission to have another go. We'll see what the judges say. What were their sort of key... Um, like, what was their evidence that, you, that, 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 they, that they were in the right? What were they now really pushing? this one pushing? was fun, to sit there and listen to this. Obviously, I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, but I've been here for 20 years. We didn't understand the difference between illegal and unlawful. Oh, like literally, and I was sending, <laughs> I was sending notes to Pippa Law in burn. court that we that I was like, "What are you talking about? There is no difference." And the court laughed. Like they said that the difference between Cressida and the police are saying this, but and what? the judge is like, "You got to be fucking kidding me! Like you guys should be better at this, surely." I mean, in legal terms, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they said, I think they said it was a brave submission. <laughs> <laughs> Is like is illegal like not legal and then unlawful not full of law? <laughs> but you should retrain. Like, what what there, is the difference, Pippa? Um, <laughs> if, the, if there is any. In this context, there no. really isn't. I mean, this is the test. If, if a policeman comes up to you and says, you're not allowed to do this, you're breaking the law, what would you think that meant? You'd think that meant that you weren't allowed to do it and it was a criminal act and that they could therefore arrest you, prosecute you, as they threatened to do, and potentially fine you. But they said, no, 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 that's not what we meant. We meant unlawful as in you're totally allowed to do it, maybe. But also that the reason that we cancelled wasn't because they had threatened us each 15 times with prosecution under the Serious Crimes Act and 10,000 pounds of fines. They said that them threatening us for days made no effect on us cancelling. Oh, really? They said that threatening you didn't affect That it did not have a chilling effect. If you're listening at home, by the way, Susie Ruffles taken the baby and is now doing that motherly jig. <laughs> um, so they said, and this is, this is, you know, it's normal to have babies at work, um, even in the House of Commons. So obviously it did, and the, the, the judge kind of laughed it out. So we had six counts, and when we were in the midst of this, I was terrified and Pippa sent me a little happy face that's now framed on my wall for the rest of my life during court um we won all six counts and it was such a damning judgment it was like absolutely the chilling effect that everything they did that they misfought they were unlawful on all six counts so can I ask you Jamie what is your I'm a feminist but oh I'm a feminist but um Cressida Dick called us naive young women that meant well and I was kind of really happy with the young, because I'm 43. <laughs> so that's what, if you want to say anything, by the way, Susie, just knock me on the back of the head. Or, so. I just thought, I yeah, thought that Pippa was about to go into something, so I just wanted to try to help her, but now I feel like I am stealing her baby. Okay. <laughs> all of these people. Yeah, no, indeed. If, if either Susie Ruffle or I don't leave with that baby, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, don't steal a baby from a lawyer, though. She'll get it back. Um, You're welcome to him between the hours of midnight and six, though. I'm busy then. <laughs> so, uh, can I just ask, were there any times where you thought you wouldn't win, Pippa? Uh, yes, there, there were. Um, for two reasons. Uh, one, um, the process of, of, of taking the Met to court is, is really convoluted, and one of the real barriers to 
anybody, any ordinary person getting justice is that it's really expensive. Um, not just for your own lawyers, if you find lawyers that are willing to act for free, which, you know, I was uh, and others were, that's one thing. And we called her at like four but in the morning crying a lot. There was, there was a million questions and, and in my American being like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And she was always there for it in her dressing gown, getting us and telling me I was off the lead and I could say anything I wanted, which was really fun. Um, but regardless of whatever your own lawyers want to do funding-wise, um, there is a risk that if you lose, um, you have to pay the other side's costs. And the Met will always instruct super expensive lawyers, rack up massive bills. And so these guys, you know, had to make the decision, okay, we think there's merit in this. This is a really important case, not just for us, but actually potentially for all sorts of people who want to protest and for women who are being silenced. Um, but we risk... If we lose and if, you know, we get the wrong judge on the wrong day, we, we risk being personally liable for thousands and th- you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, and it's a real disincentive to anybody who is seeking justice, even if you're in the right, because you can't guarantee a win. Is it common to win against the police? Um, no. I'd, in my experience, it's not. I, I mean, I hope it's not just me, because um, I'm not very good. But... Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, there, there is real institutional deference as you know, will come as no surprise to most people. Um, and so it's part of the reason we were so delighted with this judgment because it absolutely isn't deferential in any way. It's an absolute slam dunk. You got this wrong from the outset and you kept getting it wrong, which is unusual. Was there a... Did, did it take quite a long time to even get it to court as well? Like, a they year. keep Yeah, they kept putting, like, bollards in the way... Is that sort of how they do it to try and keep it... Like, they're keeping it out of the papers as well? Like, sorry? What is a bollard? Um, a bollard? <laughs> a bollard, Kima, is something that's in your way in the road. Like you know, like, like one of those traffic things to slow you Great. down and stop you. Yeah. Great. Yeah, tell us about the bollard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm on your team now. She's picking on both of us. Um, <laughs> hey, <I'm laughs> No, stop it. No, Kima, I'm with you. Uh, no, but... She I, is... But, but, but is that how they... Do they... I've got two questions, sorry. One of them is they keep putting bollards in the way to stop you from getting to court so you sort of can't get the judgment. And then... They now <laughs> Thank just find you. bollards funny now. And it then, sounds oh, like right, bollards, okay. I think. Oh! oh. And then, <laughs> secondly, um, were they trying to keep stuff out of the papers and out of the press? Um, oh, Jamie is dying to answer this question. I can just see. Go on. DAC Twist. This is my favorite document in all of... I know it's not called Discovery in this country, but with, with disclosure or something. Yes, when you go through all of the stuff and you're like, this is the discovery. It's what we discovered. It's all of our evidence. So we weren't allowed to say the document. It's, it's like she's in my mind. <laughs> We're not allowed to say the document until it got addressed in high court. And the document was the risk analysis that said the top risk of the vigil was not women getting covid it was reputational risk for the Met. And I would do anything wow. to have gotten that into the papers. And, when, the, and when, it went into the, when it went out in high court, everyone and their brother was like, you can go now, you can tell everyone. Wow. <laughs> so that was the top, and it was officially on a document backstage at the Met. I don't, I don't, I don't think they, they call, call it backstage. backstage. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they're like, backstage this is your five-minute call, okay, for your... You're this is something stage you now. shouldn't put in writing. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually put in writing... We're worried about reputational damage. It, it was the number one risk. Because, because Wayne Cousins was a police officer, 
who used his. Uh, it didn't say all that. Badge. It said the number one but risk. Why was, else would it um, be? Well, the, the the main. So what they were really worried about, which on on some level is legitimate, is that they were worried that if they let this one go ahead, they'd get pressure about other events. So they were worried that they would be criticised for letting it go ahead. Like how they policed the Euros? Or Prince Philip dying? Well, um, again, good point. Um, When Prince Philip died, people went to the palace, they didn't do anything. Absolutely There was no manhandling. No. And that guy put a flare up his ass in Leicester Square (laughs) during the Euros, (laughs) and everyone was like, we love football in this country, like... That did happen. I yeah. remember that. I remember that. 40 people got arrested the weekend of the Euros and they absolutely breached Wembley and they arrested four women at our vigil for a dead woman. Yeah. It's, it's, it's disgraceful. Even Rory, who is a man, yeah. is so outraged he's sneezing because that's the way babies communicate. I keep getting tripped out at how his fingers are so small and one day they're going to be like my size. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know what to say. It's <laughs> just crazy. <laughs> I know. By the way, it's not an act. It's what she's like all the time. Like, just in case you're wondering, it's not like a thing she does on stage. They're just so small. I can confirm they're quite small. A train journey with Kima is just nonstop. I laugh so much sometimes that I cry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes, the police are bad. Kima is now wiping tears away. Before we were like, oh God, I don't know how we're going to find light and shade in this. It's like we just bring Kima on. That's fine. The answer is bring Kima on, light and shade will find itself. Um, So listen, this is what I want to know. What is the precedent that this has set that means that that, that it's going to be harder for them to stop us assembling even when it is to protest the actions of a police officer, a serving police officer? So what this judgment makes very clear uh, is that regardless of the reason that there is, um, that they have powers to restrict protest, so for example, even if this awful, awful bill um, goes through the policing bill, um, which you've done great work campaigning on, even if that were to go through, it does not absolve the police of having to look at people's human rights, their Article 10 and 11 rights under the convention, and decide whether or not it is in fact proportionate to interfere and to restrict protests. That's slightly technical, but basically they can't just say, oh, Parliament's told us we've got powers, we can use them. Right. So there was a ban, and they kept denying there was a ban, yet every time they spoke to us, they were like, our hands are tied, you just can't protest. You can protest by yourself in front of your house, but you can't actually go to a protest and be with other people. The police have to be really, really careful before they get involved and try to shut down a protest is essentially the, the effect of this. And what does Cressida Dick say about you now? Uh, she hasn't said so much since I went on TV the night she got shit-canned. <laughs> um, shit-canned, by the way, is American for fired. Oh, um, <laughs> eloquent people. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you hope this will do in terms of setting precedent, in terms of showing the police that we will stand up to them when they do these things? Um, well, again, I, I would have hoped that with such a compelling judgment, I mean, it's 63 pages if anyone fancies some light reading tonight. Yes, girl, before bed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, such a compelling judgment, I would have hoped that they would have absorbed it, learned it, internalized it, and then put in place um, proper training and resources for their officers to understand how to properly respect human rights. Um, they're not doing that. They're appealing instead. So I, I am afraid... And how much of our money is, gonna, is it going to cost them to appeal? Hundreds and... Well, over £100,000 for sure. But that's our tax. That's, that's my tax. I, my Specifically my tax. I'm walking home at night... Looking She's up, loaded. Looking at... <laughs> guilty feminist, fuck me. It's Don't think why she's so guilty, because you've got so much money now. That's the thing. Well, I, it all goes on capes. I, <laughs> Deborah, cape money, Francis. <laughs> well, part of the reason we went forward and kept fighting and raised the money was if they didn't let four middle-class... Two of the women were counsellors. Like, if they didn't let us protest, who were they going to let? And that was part of the reason we were the purest case to go forward with it, because we didn't go ahead, we were seen on camera not to, and it was really painful not to be there that night, but it was the long game, and we played it, and, and at least for this part of it, we've won. What, what do you mean middle class? Do you mean you're more likely to win because you're middle class, because the system is skewed? No, I meant that the, if the police, we proactively went to them, we asked permission, we had a track and trace code so that people could log in when they got there. We had all this infrastructure, we had two people in the government, and one was young labor, like, we had... I run, I run seafood festivals for 40,000 people. Like, we were the people that were doing the safest protests. Oh, I see, right. I see. So I, you're, saying, you're saying middle class in terms of uh, they, uh, uh, something that they would have a read on or, like, they would go, oh, you've ticked all the boxes? But we asked permission. We didn't just go and do it. We, we right. went in and we said, can we do this? Can we work with the council? How can we make this the safest possible Right, right, right. No, it's just I think sometimes posh people are the most entitled and they just turn up without any permits at all. So <laughs> I don't see middle class be, meaning you tick the boxes. I see middle class being you jump the fence. But maybe that's just the posh people I know. Um, I'm not really middle class. I'm from Philly, so I was just no, no. But you know what I mean. I know I was just, I was just, I was just trying to unpack. I'm saying like that you guys did all the like respectable stuff. Absolutely, and we and we went proactively and said this is our plan. This is why we're doing it. This is what we'll, how we'll work with the police. And they still like the local police were like, yeah, we'll find out a way to do this. And then Scotland Yard was like, absolutely not, no chance. I'd say actually, I think there is a sort of. A, a, a class and a, a race aspect to all of it because you find that uh, unfortunately when you're dealing with policing authorities um, they they do respond differently to mm. different groups that's you know that's endemic in policing and it's one of the oh my God, when I, I was like oh they grab it white women like that yeah <laughs> I was like they are out of control you know, but, but it's also partially why we've gotten so much press and why we've been yeah. we've had a year of the public yeah. support, the media support, and and actually very often, um, you know, it is uh, the burden of activism falls disproportionately on um, over police communities, black and ethnic minority women. Um, you know, the, the the vigil that eventually did go ahead on Saturday when sisters reclaim were forced to cancel was by sisters uncut who, um, you know. Without them, yeah, right. that, that wouldn't have got the press. Those images, those awful, awful, horrendous images wouldn't have been seen. People wouldn't have cared in the way and that they did. They lost a lot of sympathy for doing... Uh, the, the, the police, not, absolutely. not yeah. the women, lost a lot of... Uh, they, they, people were like, holy fuck. Like, Had they let us go of, ahead? It was, one of, it was one of them, and he used his badge to get a woman into a car and did the most brutal things. And I'm sorry, but then you see his former colleagues 
manhandling women and knocking them to the ground. And I'm so happy you took them to court and I'm so fucking happy you won. And congratulations. You inspire us all. You inspire us all to take on the fight. And we take it one fight at a time and one day at a time. And I truly, truly do believe that your fight has made a massive impact and will change the, that, the awful policing bill because I truly don't believe after this they think they're going to get away with put, bringing in the measures to stop protesting that they are. So can I have a huge round of applause for the incredible Reclaim These Streets and Jamie Klingler and also Pippa Woodrow taking on the law and the law didn't win. Thank you so much. time to have these discussions. It's time uh, for our final act. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Grace Petrie. So what fucking incredible guests. Oh my god, what an amazing thing to be discussing, right? And so I wanted to play a song that I wrote um, about a lot of these events, which I uh, sort of, in the aftermath of the, of the vigil, there was a, a Guilty Feminist episode that we recorded on Zoom, and, uh, and I wrote this song in the 45 minutes before the, I was on the episode because I just felt completely sort of overcome with the emotion of the thing. And, uh, and you know, I think often, like, as a feminist, and, like, obviously as a queer person, and definitely as a socialist, there's a lot of fights that like sometimes it just feels like we're not fucking winning, do you know what I mean? So I think to take these victories where we have them is such an important thing, but I also think, you know, I'm coming to realise in my political life that like the fight is always fucking worth it, right? Because if there weren't people who fought for things, you know, that they didn't see win in their lifetimes, if they hadn't done that, then I wouldn't be on this stage today, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't have the rights that I have today. So... I wrote a song about it, and I promise it is an optimistic song, but it is called The Losing Side. Um, and uh, I, would love you, I would love you to sing it with me, if that's okay. It's got a chorus that's very simple, it just repeats, but I'm going to teach it to you now, line at time. So I'm going to sing a line, and you repeat it after me, Bath, okay? The first one goes like this. If I spend my life on the losing side... Your turn. If I spend my life on the losing side... You can lay me down knowing that I tried. You can lay me down knowing that I tried. There's a better world and on a quiet day. There's a better world and on a quiet day. When I hold my breath, I can hear her say, when I hold my breath, I can hear her say. So that's the chorus. I'm going to do the chorus so many times, and I'd love you to join in as loud as you possibly can. I want to dedicate it to these guys here tonight who are just absolutely amazing. It's called The Losing Side. From common grief to Bristol up in flames. 
We came here begging justice And instead we got the blame For peace disturbed Out on the streets tonight And watching on the BBC You know something's not right When mourners come With candles and with flowers I wrestled three on one And pinned down by the state's full powers This is their world And these have been the rules we have come to break it down with bloody fingernails for tools This threat of violence, this tightrope wire We can no longer bear it, we're all too fucking tired No minute silence, we will sing higher Don't tell us to light a candle, we have come to start a fire And if I spend my life on the Inside. You can lay me down Knowing that I tried There's a better world And on a quiet day When I hold my breath I can hear her say She's on her way She's on her way Watch it on TV And never dreamed that one day you could be the enemy That you might one day be under attack From all that should protect you Hoping someone has your back The history books are screaming from the shelves Speaking to defend ourselves Has good things planned A storm ahead I see And not one of us will bear it Without solidarity Oh I see trouble All my days This ailing, failing world Sends signs of fire and flood and plague But from the rubble From the raised the mightiest cathedral From these ashes we will raise And if I spend my life On the losing side You can lay me down Knowing that I tried There's a better world And on a quiet day When I hold my breath I can hear her say Take heart, my sister
inside You can lay me down Knowing that I tried There's a better world And on a quiet day When I hold my breath I can hear her say That she's on her way have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, with my very special guests, Kima Bob, Tiff Stevenson, Susie Ruffle, Jamie Klingler, and Pippa Woodrow, with music from Grace Petrie. Recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Salinsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Stuart, Gina, Bjorn, Jody, and everyone at the Bath Forum, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. first half because of cross-country feminist business. Um, I don't take any blame for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's time uh, for our final act. If anybody needs to leave to run to get a train, it's five to ten now. We hope you don't. We're only going to run over to ten past ten. But if anyone needs to run now, please don't feel bad about doing it. But now would be a great time before I bring the act on. Okay. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Grace Petrie! I didn't authorise anything about people going for trains. Uh, If I see you going, I'm going to call you out. Get very upset. I'm joking! The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.